This is The Resilient Life, where we believe that every human will struggle in this life. Our challenge is to struggle well. I'm Ryan Mannion. I lost my brother to war, my mom to cancer, and I'm the daughter of a retired Marine. I'm also a wife, mom, author, and president of one of the nation's leading veteran service organizations. Join me and some incredible guests as we explore the value of struggling well through life's inevitable challenges. Welcome to another episode of the Resilient Life Podcast. You know, we've had so much happen in the past few months in this country, and it's really made me want to stop everything and assess what's important and how I can do my part to help move us forward. As we discussed in our last episode featuring my friend and political commentator, Mary Catherine Hamm, a lot of division and the nastiness that we've been seeing in the past several months has occurred as a result of people finding community in the wrong places. Since the pandemic hit and our face-to-face interactions have been replaced with one-sided arguments on social media, it's led to more problems related to decency and character and how all of that plays out online. So today, I want to go back to the basics. I want to talk about community, the power of community, the different foundations that can be used to build community, and the healing that can be found when people come together. And there's really no better person to bring into that conversation than my friend and CEO of GoRuck, Jason McCarthy. Welcome to the Resilient Life Podcast. Brian, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to, to dive into this today. And I was talking to you a little bit about this idea that community is, it's everything. It's everything in the work we do at the Travis Mannion Foundation. While we are a veteran serving organization, we always talk about the power of community and the, the grassroots efforts that it takes to build that community. And I'll never forget one of the first things you said to me when I met you a couple years ago, I, I was told I was going to be meeting Jason, you know, the, the head of Go Rock. And it was this organization that was designed to rock with these backpacks. And, you know, and I'm like, okay, you know, and I remember when I met you and you said, we're not a backpack company, we're a company based off community. And those words stuck with me so much. And I didn't understand it at first because I didn't know too much about Go Ruck and what it was. But as I've learned over the last couple of years, Go Ruck is a community business. Your business is based on the power of community. So talk to me a little bit about this idea as you formed Go Ruck. Were you thinking that when you were forming it, or were you more thinking about the uh, athletic and the physical um, opportunities that came with building the business through a, a rucking company? So it's kind of a messy origin story. Um, I'll, I'll cut to the, the the relevant, most relevant parts about the community. But the short is, is I was not committed to building a business because I was transitioning out of the military. And to, to put it frankly, making money isn't that cool, right? When you're in special forces or you're in the army, there's things like honor and integrity. That stuff's really cool, right? And you have this tribal sense of community, this small team or this platoon that you operate in. And that's that's a very, very fulfilling thing, right? And 
you know, my wife, Emily, as I was transitioning out, she was in the, the CIA, she was posted in West Africa, and I had built her a go bag, or a go ruck, if you will, which was just a, a rucksack that we would put in the trunk of the Humvees with extra supplies, bombs, batteries, guns, stuff like that, in case our vehicles disabled and we have to fight. So it GORUCK started out as a hobby to me. It's like, oh, I need something to do. And there was not, I was not committed to this idea of this, this company of GORUCK. I mean, I, I put an ad in Craigslist, New York City for a backpack designer, literally. That's how I found this team in Montana. And so there's a lot, a lot of kind of dots that had to get connected for there to be anything to sell because a business does actually have to sell something. I know that's, it's like kind of not that cool in some circles, but you have to sell something and, you know, for the business, you need to, to charge more than, than uh, what it costs you and stuff like that. Right. Um, but in, so I'll, I'll rewind to the summer of 2010, I had all my life savings and then some into a bunch of rucksacks in my condo in DC. And we launched our website and stuff. And it was like, this is going to be so awesome. And the problem was, is that the world greeted my enthusiasm with silence. And I was like, oh, this is, this is terrible. So I'm like, but ultimately I'm like, I got to do something else because at that point it's just a, a mark of kind of pride or something. I can't just fail. I can't fail this fast. And, and so came up with something called the Go Ruck Challenge, which to me was going to be a way for me to take pictures of the gear in use at this extremely challenging event led by, at the beginning, it was just me current and former special forces guys. And we just kind of pull from our bag of tricks of team building through things like pain, suffering, adversity, all that stuff. And because it's, because rucking is the foundation of special forces training, AKA you have weight on your back and you're moving from point to point land navigation style. And then you're patrolling with ruck, just like it's the foundation of the infantry, the Marines, the infantry, special forces, it's, it's rucking. And so everyone had our rucks on and, and uh, so that was cool. The first one was in September of 2010 in San Francisco. And, uh, you know, I went in naively thinking that, oh, I got I to gotta take pictures of this, this gear. It's going to be cool, cool, cool. And it's going to work and people are going to buy it. But as this went on, I realized that these people were having fun. It's like getting the, get the ocean together. Let's do flutter kicks for an hour. Like I'm up, he sees me, I'm down, get down, get up, you know, all these things. And it was like sitting in the parking lot when we were done, just tearing through 30 racks of, of Budweiser and talking about how awesome our experience was together. Like it just, it reminded me at a very guttural level of what the community was like in the army, right? Like it's not the same thing. We're not going to war together. That's a, that's a very intimate bond that you share with, with other human beings, but it was, it was pretty damn close. And so it's one of those, I was like, this is how, this is how we're building Go. I don't think the widgets, the rucksacks, yes, they have to be good, but this is how we're building GORUCK. And from that point on, it was a people first organization in, in action, not in words, but in, in actions. And so you decide after that weekend that the role that community is going to play in your business. And from there, you say you become a people first organization. And do you plan more of these events? Is it just, or we're going to be driven by these events where we're bringing people together? That's all I started planning. I mean, the manufacturing is a really difficult business. I mean, it's, 
it's just messy. You've got to put a bunch of cash down now. Eventually you get it. Then you're living in inventory and you don't, and it's just, but events, there was just an energy there. And so when you start to say, I mean, we, we got up to the point where we're running a thousand events like this a year, right? Mm -hmm. To fast forward just a little bit. And, and we have 400 GORUCK clubs located around the country and the world that are community-led at the local level, which is the proper level for communities, right? So, you know, define your terms because the word community has been stolen. And, and I, I want us to start out and say, if you're on Facebook, that is not a community. Like that is a forum. Reddit is a forum, right? These online places, they're forums. Now, it's, it's not a substitute for real world interactions. I mean, communities are historically, and I mean, in, in the history of Homo sapiens, they're, they're largely consensus driven. They're, they're more egalitarian than not, right? There's, you know, if you go back even further, it's, it's you would defend each other. You would, you would eat from the same kill, right? Right. I mean, and, and so you take those roots and now we think that because our brains are so smart and we can do so much online that we've progressed so much, but it's just, those are our roots and it's hard baked into us that we, we are meant to be part of communities or tribes or however you want to sort of define it. But that exists in the real world. It cannot exist exclusively online. Those are forums. And that's why people behave the way that they do online, you, you would not see that in a, in a real world community. Or if you did, you would have, you know, someone would get banished from the community. And yeah. so, and, and so at GORUCK, it's been the, the, we would have these special forces cadre go to all the cities, right? And then, because it was just more, I mean, it's, it was intoxicating, because there was this idea of giving back, like building better Americans. That's, yep. that's how we framed it. And it's this idea of, look, this is, this is how America became America. We were part of something bigger than ourselves. And it can get lost in abstract land. When, when we sort of say, hey, you know, good fences might make good neighbors, but guess what else makes good neighbors? Good neighbors, right? Like, it's pretty simple. And you start to say, look, I mean, you know, this person over there, they might have voted for somebody else. But, you know, they're two doors down. It doesn't mean you have to go spray paint and, and roll their, their house every weekend and, and, like, do these horrible things to them. Don't do that, right? Right. And if you did, then there's going to be problems in your local community, which you don't want. There's right. this license online. So the community embraced our events as a way to bring them together out of their, the rest of their world. You find like-minded people that want to push and challenge themselves you come together in the real world, you face adversity together, you drink some awesome victory beers at the end, and you kind of have this, this moment in time where you did this thing and you were part of your little tribe or your, your community. And then you can take that back to the community, the broader community. And so it's this force multiplication where you're training people to be better Americans or to be better members of their community and, and to put others before themselves and those kinds of values that that the military espouses that that's also our way of life. Yeah. And I love, I love this. I love what you said that that word has been stolen. And I believe that too. Um, and I think the last year has played an even bigger role in stealing that word um, because of the way that we've become 
a reactionary society that voices our opinions behind a screen. And that's not real interaction. And, but I also think that on, to some degree, you and I are very lucky to be a part of a world where this idea that we can come together and do something really hard and, and walk away with that feeling. And you know that feeling when you walk away from something and you're just like, wow, I just did this. And th- this group of people, for the small amount of time I just spent with them, like this was powerful, this means something, and I'll never forget this. But I think it's important to understand that not everybody has that opportunity. And so how do you create that opportunity for the rest of the country, right? Because not everybody is a part of uh, Go Ruck community. Not everybody's a part of the Travis Manion Foundation and is going on these service expeditions. They should be. Well, uh, I agree. I agree. But how do you find that community outside of, like you said, coming together and finding pain and suffering a little bit with a group of people? Can you do that yeah. outside of these realms? Yeah. So, so here's where the problem comes in is that, I mean, remember that America was founded by people who jumped into boats to cross freezing cold rivers in the dark of night to go murder our enemies in their sleep right? Like there is this, or the frontiersman that, you know, if that makes you uncomfortable, like I'm just telling you history, like don't forget it, you know, the frontiersman and the pioneers that that went out West, you know, that's a, it's not a lot of people that are going to be willing to do that right now, you know? And, And so look, this, these are our roots. We need to never forget our roots, the sacrifice that those who came before us did. The problem is that and, and I don't believe in just, I believe in identifying the problem, but you have to have solutions. That's why we get along so well, because we're in the solutions business. The problem is that for all of the talk about, you know, the military and civilian divide, which I think becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of sorts, right? If you just tell people they're different all the time, then they're different. We're, we're kind of still cut from the same cloth that's called America, right? Yeah. In, in terms of actions and kind of way of life, though, there is a gap because there is selfless service in the military. And a, a true community affords you the opportunity, opportunity to behave selflessly. It's a very important thing, right? And the, the truth is that you feel better doing that as well, right? Nobody's selling that because it doesn't sell. But that's the, the underpinning of community, right? So what does not work in my experience is going too far out there into people that are really entrenched in kind of me culture or comfort culture or whatever. You just, we can't go directly at them. So I'll tell you how we've approached it and I'll tell you where I got that from first. So the classic mission of the Green Berets is you work by, with, and through local partners. So the classic example is post 9-11 Afghanistan, right? A hundred Green Berets say, went into Afghanistan, linked up with the Northern Alliance to defeat the Taliban in 60 days in the boneyard of the Soviet empire, right? They did not send more assaulters and more helicopters. They sent advisors who were working by, with, and through the local population because local matters, 
and they knew all of this stuff. They had the intelligence. Well, you have to be the kind of person that can still lead those people. And yes, we had the Air Force. Yes, we brought our own resources and our own training and, and the skill of those men. And some of them trained me in the early days of, of my uh, time in the Army. And I was grateful, grateful to them. And that way of life is taught to us. This is, that is a much better and sustainable way to do it than to send in the tanks, you know? It, it actually works too. And, and then, you know, part of the coin strategy and it, it evolved into, okay, special forces kind of established this as a standard and we, we've scaled it with, with varying degrees of success throughout over the last 20 years. But the fundamentals are, are there. You work by, with, and through local partners. And then when you need a bigger army, you know what they do? They recruit their friends. The way this doesn't work is the special forces team all of a sudden just starts, you know, with, with their interpreter or whatever, going into the villages, you're all strangers. That doesn't work, right? right. You need referrals from your friends. And so what we've done at GORUCK is we train the trainers. We, we focus on the people and we, we ask, encourage, and sometimes demand additional leadership from them, which is an opportunity. Like you care about your community. This is how you can make it stronger. You can't worry about every single person. You can't, you know, you can't fight all the injustices every day that you'll find on social media. You can't focus there. You have to focus closer to home in your community. And that's what's going to allow you to sleep really well at night, right, is, is the individual stories of the people that you do bring out. So we, it, it's, it's called force multipliers, force multiplication, where you're just able to, to, to create this bigger movement by empowering people at the local level, right? And so these, these go-ruck clubs that we have all over the country and the world, there's a, a leader and an assistant leader, and then they do what they're going to do. You know, a group in San Francisco might be different than a group in, you know, Birmingham, Alabama. There's still a through line that is real world in nature. And if they travel to each other's thing, there's rucksacks and there's sandbags and they're, they're importantly, they're outside and they're together. Those are kind of the, the things that unite us and, you know, go be active and sweat a little bit and drink a couple beers or whatever you want to drink when you're done. So that's how we've approached it. So you touch on this idea when you first started talking about comfort culture, and I wrote it down. And I talk about this a lot. I've never actually used the word comfort culture. But when you talk about the Civ Mill divide, I think we make it out just like you to be more than it actually is. Um, we are a veteran service organization with over half our members that are civilians. So they understand the deep root of, again, like you said, just being Americans. And they understand what it means to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And that's why they're a part of the Travis Mannion Foundation. But I have also found that there are varying degrees with this idea of comfort culture, as you, as you call it, that people are almost afraid to enter into a world where they're doing things that push them outside of their comfort zone. And you say you can't attack them by going right to them, but how do you pull those people in? How do you draw those people into that greater community? Well, I mean, there, there's kind of two, two approaches. The first is inspire them, which you can do at a national level, right? Like keep doing this podcast, it's great. Keep sending out your personalized email messages 
that you do, right? They can't all be like this, I get it. There's just, there's larger, larger forces and larger messages at work as well. So you have to keep, you have to keep your, those leaders within the community, you have to keep them inspired and let them continue to inspire others. The other thing that you can do is you can ask. Like if, if you're wondering, how do I get someone to do this? You can ask, right? Like, would you like to come do this with me? And specifically to, to those members in the military out there, you know, I mean, I believe that the first step and, and military families, the first step belongs to us. We, we have to take that to build that bridge because we now, but let's, nobody ever likes to say, hey, good job, America. But let's rewind really quickly to Vietnam and think about how soldiers were treated there. Yep. And now you say, how are soldiers treated now? It's okay, good job, America, right? We, we've made a lot of progress where now the burden has shifted and we have 20 years of almost of, of global war on terror soldiers, right? And, and that's, that's a lot. And so America has made it, and I don't mean this pejoratively, easy and certainly much easier for us to open up and share our experiences, but in a way that invites others. And I'll tell you, I've, you know, much like TMF, I mean, GORUCK is overwhelmingly civilian, right? And so there's always this kind of vibe about, I could never understand what sacrifice is like in the military because I've never been to war. And I say, okay, let me reframe this for you to put it on more like terms. Is anybody in here a mother? or a father, right? You can already see where this is going. Yeah. And you start walking them down a little bit of, you know, I tell them about the bond that you have with your, your children is, is absolute. It's just, would you die for your kids? Like say there's a bus coming and your kid is in front of it. And the only way that you're gonna save your kid is you're gonna get hit by that bus and that's gonna be your final breath. Like, like I don't have to think about that for one second. Like that is instantaneous because it's, it's selflessness. It's selfless service to something that's, that's bigger than myself. It's more important than just me. And I would rather die than live knowing that I could have saved that other person. In that case, my son in war, it's someone that you serve with. And, you know, every time I say that it, it makes me, I mean, I get a little bit emotional thinking about all the various applications over the course of you know, the generations of warfighters and just the generations of, of Americans who are willing to, to risk their lives for complete strangers. I mean, this is, that's, it's a really powerful thing when you realize that you actually have that inside of you. And that's the same thing. It's just, you're not in war. And right. so this does exist on the home front. And so that doesn't have to be anyone or everyone's example to, to kind of build that bridge. But this culture of selflessness, of sacrifice, it exists in, in family structures and for your best friends and, and things like that. And, and so we, we who have served and we who are on military families, we need to open our doors to others. And the only way that this divide gets, gets smaller is if we open up and share. And, and the other part that I always stress is, look, the military is, is one form of service. 
Without 9-11, I would not have been inspired to join the military. So I'm not standing on any high ground to say, oh, I just, you know, this wasn't family business, so to say. This was something that I was inspired by an outside force. And I said, if, if I don't do this, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. I'd rather, I would rather die in war or wherever that might be than, than live the rest of my days dead inside because I'm, I just have this, this regret, you know? And, and, and so there are so many other ways to serve, right? Teachers, doctors, you know, public servants of, of all kind. And find something like that in your life. Not everybody does that. There's great businesses out there as well. But you need to serve something greater than yourself. You need to either carve out the time, make it a lot more of your time. And, and that's the overarching message. Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's, in, it's, it's something that I have thought about. I always, I always say that I was born into a family of service. So, you know, there's t- videotapes of me at four years old singing the Marine Corps hymn, you know, and, and uh, I watched as my dad, and, and, and again, my dad served for 30 years in the Marine Corps, and he still to this day will say I did less than in 30 years than this post 9-11 generation is doing in one or two. But I watched my dad leave for you know, a month to go to training every other weekend he was gone. And it was just, it was my normal life. I didn't know anything different. Right. But I didn't fully understand the meaning of sacrifice until after my brother was killed. Uh, I didn't at all. I, I frankly probably took it for granted when Travis left for Iraq. I really wasn't worried about him. I wasn't worried about him the first time. I was maybe a little bit more worried about him the second time, but I always felt like it was needle in a haystack situation, that nothing was going to happen to him. And after he was killed, you know, obviously my life changes, but my mindset changes over what's important to me. And I, and I think about this idea that it took my brother sacrificing his life for me to understand the importance of service and sacrifice in one's life. And, and a lot of times people will talk to me about, well, you know, can you get that realization without having tragedy strike, without having this monumental event? And I don't know the answer to that. Um, because for me, I, I don't know that it ever would have happened for me. I don't know that I ever would have been involved with the kind of community I'm involved with now. I don't know that I ever would have pushed myself past the boundaries that I thought that I could be pushed past. And there's so many things that I have done in the last 13 years that number one, I never would have tried. And I feel pretty confident in saying I never would have tried them no matter what, because I I had no interest in them. But number two, the idea that when I look back at the different things that I've done, and again, a lot of them are physical in nature because that's what your community and my community kind of, that's something. It works. That, yes. But I never would have been able to accomplish any of those challenges if it wasn't for the relationships and the people that surrounded me as I was taking them on. And so when I look back at this idea, you know, when you, when you talk to somebody who says, oh my God, you ran a marathon, I could never run a marathon. And you're like, and, and I was one of those people, 
right? Before I ran my first marathon, I would say, there's no way I would ever, I could ever run a marathon. Now I'm like, well, anybody, anybody can run a marathon. Literally anybody can take on a marathon and accomplish it. I truly believe that. If you, you know, if you put the right effort in, you can tackle a marathon. Um, But you can't do those things without a community around you. I don't believe that anybody can do that unless they have a, a community, a solid community of people that are there to help push you across those finish lines, um, whether physical or, or, or otherwise. And so, you know, I often think about how I can drive people to take that mindset without saying, you know, well, it took me having this life altering situation. You know, how can I push people to that place without having them to feel like they have to go through something? Well, now you're talking about accountability, right? Yeah. So when you start looking at, at the world of fitness and health and, you know, challenging things and all this stuff, there is not a lack of knowledge out there, right? We know, hey, if you eat a Mediterranean diet and you know, be a little bit more active and, you know, get good natural sleep and don't take pills and don't drink too much caffeine and, and all these things, right? We all know all of this stuff and whatever you're, you want to be in, in any of, of whatever goals you're looking at, you know what you need to do. The yeah. problem comes that there is no real accountability. And so, you know, you don't need to defend your tribe anymore. You don't, you're, there, there's no shortage of, of food. You don't have to go hunt. You know, there, there's, everything comes wrapped in cellophane, right? It's like, where does it come from? It comes from the store, <laughs> you know? And so I, I think that there's, a, the, the broadest thing is what you need is you need a buddy, right? Something because, you know, every 6.30, uh, sorry, every Friday at 6.30 in the morning, there's a little group workout in front of Go Ruck headquarters. Anyone can come. It's free. We have extra sandbags. We have rocks. We have stuff like that. It's 30 minutes, 45 minutes. I, I, there's no morning that I wake up. This is, this is like why people get out of the army. Like, I'm never going to do this, you know? And like, there's no morning that I wake up and I'm like, man, I'm just so excited to be up at 530, right? Get, you know, because I'm going to go do this stuff. But I always look forward to the people. And you're willing to do hard things by, with, through, for other people, when you submit to this idea that we're actually not all, nobody's self-made, this like lone ranger as the avatar of our society is completely misguided. It's, it's as misguided as putting, you know, 80 pound girls on covers of magazines and, and holding them up as, as sex symbols, right? What happens is, is that people then follow that and it's, yeah. it, will, it will break so many people and it's, it's unattainable and it's not desirable. And by the way, it's not healthy, but what is healthy is be a part of something bigger than yourself, be a part of active things, go do more. Right. So in, in the substitute of time, you say, look, I can stay at home and, and watch TV and scroll through my phone, or I can go meet people out right? And you're, out can be your front yard, your, your driveway. This doesn't always have to be bars and such, right? Like there's ways to go be active. You, you love to go get on your boat and go around and I see you like, it's great, right? You're just, you lead an active, empowered life. It's, it very much comes through like that. And it's contagious, right? Your family 
It's just, that's how you're raising your kids. It becomes a thing where, and then you, you invite others to come with you. And they're like, oh, this is pretty great, right? So, you know, it's on those of us that, that lead these kinds of lives to invite others to our way and to not judge them, right? Everybody has to start somewhere. And, and so, you know, it's, it's certainly not easy. And it's, you're not just going to get this huge sea change of, hey, a million people all in one day are just going to all go do this thing. It just has to be built over time. And you have to trust the people to, to build in their own communities. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that, again, outside of the, the, the physical challenges that I've taken on um, in the last several years, you know, there's, there's things that I find differently about my mindset and how I work. And that, you know, every day, no matter how sucky the day may be, I've got to walk away feeling like I accomplished something. Like I got something done to better myself or better my organization. Um, and, you know, the last year has been challenging. And I've thought a lot about where GORUCK was from, you know, the perspective that you guys are an organization that are built on face-to-face interactions. And so I'd love to talk a little bit about how you had to shift through the, the pandemic and what changes you made that helped you um, get through? Okay, yeah, so, you know, we had a lot of things. We had too many things on, on our list. And just to go back to sort of 2020, I know it's, it's like, it's, it's taboo to say this, but I'll say it anyway. Like 2020 was, it was a great year. And, and I, I'm removing the, I haven't, didn't get COVID. Nobody directly in my family has died. I have a roof over my head. You know, like these things, none of the worst, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I, I'm there at a base level, right? You know, bad things have happened, right? And there's, there's been kind of shocks to friends and people out of work and really good friends out of work. And, and but, and when I say a good year, I, I, I'm not judging that by numbers. I'm judging that by, it's a return to simplicity. Yeah. It's just I, the I, focus. I, yes. And I don't want to cut you off, but I, it's at the end of 2020, you know, everybody was, you, you saw all the memes and all the posts and it was like, you know, this year sucked worst year ever. And I reflected back personally, and I'm going to speak for me personally on 2020, 2020 brought me back to a greater sense of myself and um, a greater understanding of what, how important my family was, how important the simple things were. And so I, I look back on this last year with some gratitude for- That's a being good word. Able, yeah, to just like shut it down a little bit and find a simpler way of living. And I feel like it's empowered me to move into 2021 with a different mindset on how I wanna live my life and because I was in 2019, literally up until March 10th of 2020, I was grinding so hard. I wasn't even taking a moment to breathe or set back and say, okay, where, where, are, where are all the things in my life? Where, you know, I was just looking straight forward at professionally what I needed to get done. And so um, 
I totally cut you off, but I just wanted to say, I, I so agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've heard that a lot, right. From, from a lot of people and nobody really wants to say it. And I don't, I don't know how to say it short form, but you know, this is kind of the, the long form version of this is that, you know, we had a lot of stuff going on and we just have been able to focus more and to go even, even deeper into this, like I'm guided by this light, which I know you are as well, that I owe, I, I just owe, right. Yeah. I'm grateful to be alive. You know, I, I have a lot of friends who aren't. And, you know, the, the way that we honor the memories of those that we love who are no longer with us is not just to, not just to take care of ourselves, but to lead a life of service to, to others, which that's, that was the calling that spoke to me, you know, when I was a, a younger man. And, and that's what those guys specifically that I served with who aren't here, that's the life that they, they died in, yeah. in that pursuit. And so, you know, it's, it's been a really heavy dose of, of a reminder, even more than ever this year, just when you go back to this foundational level of, yes, you know, my family is good. That's great, right? Like you got to take care of, you got to take care of yourself first, right? Because if, you know, if you're just ridden with stress and anxiety and all these things, take care of yourself, figure, I mean, there's lots of ways to do it. It's exercise more and do all this stuff. And, you know, if you have to talk to a shrink, then great, talk to a shrink. If your shrink is your, your best friend, then great. Pick up the phone and talk to other people. You need to figure this out because you can't help your family. You can't help others if you're not doing okay yourself, right? For us as, as a business, though, it just, I immediately pivoted to, I know that our way of life is exactly what more people need right now. I mean, it is the special forces way of life is built on thriving in adversity through simplicity, right? I mean, do more with less, lean on the people around you, right? You can't, you got to kind of fight your way through it, but you've got to do it together. And so each of us has, has the ability to do that. And, and what I saw in my local community was I know a lot more of my neighbors now. We, we know each more about each other's kids or each other's families because people have been outside more here. And we've been more in those moments and we've spent more time with our kids, which has been awesome. And we've explored places closer to home, which has been awesome. You know, you don't have to go to Timbuktu to have a great adventure in, a, in you know, wherever. Like you can find that really close to home. And, and so at, at the business level, initially, it was just the mindset, like communicating how we're living not in a preachy way, like, hey, look at me, but more like, hey, let's talk about this philosophically, but also practically, right? So I took my garage at home, which used to have a car in it, right? Stupid. The car doesn't need to be in there, right? We put a desk in there because we were quarantining like the rest of the universe. We, we put a bunch of sandbags in there. We started working out more. Emily and I started working out together. We had friends over in the driveway to work out more. I became much better friends with, with a lot of the guys in, in the neighborhood. And Emily had like the girls crew. And then I had the guys crew and we're done. We'd drink a couple beers together and talk about the world. And that stuff is, that stuff is really important in our lives. Right? So there was this, this idea of let's communicate the way of life of this is how we're doing this. And we were careful. 
Like we're not, I'm not a mask denier. I'm not like, you know, if I go to the store later, I'll have my mask on, right? I'm not like imposing my will on people. The politicization, politicization of, of the mask, big problem, right? Like it's okay, right? On, on, on both ends, right? Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been out West. I mean, just to pick a city, I was in San Francisco and you're like a hundred yards away from someone outside and we're exercising and you're getting mask shamed, right? Someone's pulling their fist over their face. Like, where's your mask? You're a hundred yards away. Like, come on, man. Right. Or then you get, you know, judgment on the other side. Like you have a mask on, like you believe in that. It's like, come on, man. It's going to be okay. Right. Like, like I don't need it from either side. Um, But, you know, so I just defaulted to, Hey, this can't hurt. My grandmother's 82. She's in an old folks home. If she gets COVID, she's done. Right. That's, that's the deal. And, And so that was my why in, in, in a lot of that. And I'm willing to learn how to breathe through a mask, not a problem. Um, but at, at, at the GORUCK level, the community level, it was really just, we started over communicating about this way of life. We started bringing, you know, talking to some leaders, talking to uh, other people on, on our podcast. We had a doctor on who had COVID that was in special forces and talked to him about, this is what I did in the early, this is what I did in the early days of COVID when I had COVID because I didn't want to put additional strain on healthcare workers, right? This is how I, I, I did not want to go to the hospital unless I absolutely had to. And what, what I think was missing in the whole national debate or national discussion or national yelling and screaming fest, whatever you want to call it, was nobody, nobody asked people to sacrifice more. Nobody said, hey, look after the people around you. Nobody kind of said, said that. Now, communities did, but there wasn't this just huge push to say, you know, this is how you can be better, right, for the greater good. And that, that's kind of, as I, I look back, just the mask got politicized and everything got it was politicized. There for like, it was there for like a small moment. I remember there was this fleeting moment where we all were kind of united. Uh, as a, you know, it was, it was like right when everything shut down and it was like, we're all in this together. And it was really like 14 days to slow the spread, or I forget what the, the line was, but then once we came out of that, it, it was just division at its finest. And, and it became this, you know, where are you? And, you know, and where we were as a family was we're going to be safe. We're going to wear masks and we're going to keep living and we're going to do things in a safe way. And we're going to, you know, but, but we were also very concerned about the mental well-being of our kids and making sure that we were providing them with opportunities to do things in safe ways. I mean, I had my kids sitting out in our front yard. It was you're lucky you're down in Florida, you know, well, we're just getting together drinking beers. We're in 30 (laughs) degree weather and my kids are sitting outside in the front yard and I have their friends sitting 20 feet away from them in masks. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) kids, you guys talk, have fun. You know, you're having a play date, but it was trying to find those challenging ways to make sure that we were finding opportunities for that that interaction that is so incredibly vital. And as much as I was worried about my my own family, I was worried about the greater community of at the Travis Manning Foundation that like Go Ruck, 
thrives on face-to-face interactions, about getting out together with each other in communities, working side by side, sweating, getting dirty, and, and pushing themselves with each other. And, you know, it was, it was tough. We did a, we, we hopped on the zoom train and, you know, played a significant role in overloading zoom, but I, I didn't know what else we could do. And, and, you know, I, I, I continue to search for ideas because we're not out of it yet. Right. And there's still this, this, we're still in a place where we can't all come together in the way we once did. And, and, you know, I got to the place where I'm like, oh, it's coming soon. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. But, but now I'm like, what is that? Where is that fine line between making sure that we are doing the right thing in, in helping to get through this pandemic, but also making sure that we're not creating a entirely large secondary effect from what's happening right now. Okay. Yeah. So we, we had to go through this as well. And the evidence that we looked at was it's the first piece of evidence that we looked at was a study done out of Wuhan early, early on, which there were 7,000 documented cases between six and Mm 7,000. And there was one documented case, one of outside to outside transmission. That's one. Okay. So let's look at this and state the obvious life has risk and it's 100% fatal to you at the end, right? Now, we want to prolong it and lead happy, healthy, rewarding, interconnected lives with others. But this idea of I can't do anything because there's a risk because of the virus is, that's a great way to go insane, right? And you, 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 it's never going to be enough. It's never going to be enough. And you're just going to like, before you know it, you know, anxiety, depression, loneliness, hypertension, all of it, it's going to eat away at you so bad. So you say, okay, so outside's better than inside, Dr. Fauci, right, as well. Um, when in doubt, always outside. And so we slowly started trickling our events back out. And what we've happened since, and they're, they're, they're not completely socially distanced, meaning there's not six feet of separation between everybody all the time, but they are completely outside. And yeah. we take precautions other, other which ways. And since the start, I mean, I'm, I'm also reluctant to say this because it's always a knock on wood and there'll always be someone that comes along and well, then this will happen. But we've run over 600 events since the start of, of COVID last March, 600 events in, around the country and the world. And that's, that's the events that we've run, not just not the ones that we've encouraged local community leaders to lead. And we have zero incidents of, of COVID, right? So it's a secondary data point to suggest that there is, there is a reasonable and rational argument to say that outside is okay, right? It's okay and it's safe. And when you weigh the risk of staying indoors, I had one guy show up to my San Francisco Go Ruck Challenge in, in uh, September and he said, I have not left my apartment in six weeks until today. And he was, he was shaking almost when we were out there and like, like we're going to do some push-ups. And he was just, I mean, he was so stressed out still. And there's, there needs to be a balance. Look, if you're out there and you're on the left and you think that I'm just disgusting scum because, you know, like the, the classic left, not everybody, but like, because we're having people, we're bringing people together outside. I respect that 
like where that comes from. I just, for, for us, there's, it's an acceptable amount of risk, right? And to the other end of the spectrum, if it's like you're looking at this and you're saying like, why would you slow anything down? This doesn't even exist. Kind of like, well, it does kind of exist. And, you know, like I, I go back to my grandmother, right? Like I don't want people's grandmothers because we, we didn't ask people to kind of segment out, hey, the, the, the people with pre-existing conditions are the most vulnerable. Like we need to have different strategies. There just wasn't kind of a strategy really. And so we came to this in the middle and we basically say, look, we assume some risk by running this and you assume some risk by, by showing up, but there's other benefits that you get, right? Time outside, very good for you. Time together, very good for you. We're all kind of trying to figure this out. And if we had gone forward and this would have been problematic, then we would have, you know, we would have stopped it. Now, we would have adjusted. Yeah. But the greatest, the greatest benefit is that you were still keeping that community alive. Exactly. Right. And look, it's also different communities make different decisions. And if you want to sit and judge from, if one wants to sit and judge from, from the, the high tower, it's like the reactions in San Francisco, the vibe is very different than the reactions in Florida. It's just a fact, right? I don't, I, we don't have to get into why or the politics. It doesn't matter for the, for the purposes of this. The people have adopted different tones. And so the local leadership, you have to react to the local environment. You know who knows the local environment best? The local leaders. So you're back to that game again, where you're empowering the local leaders. And another thing that we did, we opened up a lot of our events to, to virtual. And so we said, hey, we have these, these events called star courses, which are rucking only. You put a rucksack on your back and you go get your points. And usually the way it works is we send a guy and here's your list and you go get him. It's kind of like a scavenger hunt. Then you show back up and you get your patch and you know, you're, you're part of the community there and, and it's fun, right? We said, hey, if you guys come up with your own hit lists, your own scavenger hunt lists, just do them where you are. We'll send you the patches. Here you go. Right. And so uh, we kind of, that was not a moneymaker for us. It was not sort of driving the business. I, I didn't really think about that as much as in the forefront. I just wanted people to get out and be active. I believe that since the start of this, being outside is absolutely necessary for people. Since the beginning of Homo sapiens, but especially now, it's not working to just shut the lock or shut the lock on the door and stay inside and let like someone's got to bring you food. They're outside. So now you're complicit, you know, like, no, that's that's not how this needs to work. Right. There's some risk that you have to assume and you have to lead some type of life around that risk that welcome to life. That's just life. It's never going to be different than that. And so. We kind of just said, we believe outside and together is the best. We will empower you all to do this by yourselves, preferably with others. And you get to decide your comfort of risk. But we are here and we, you know, we had to address some people who said this is a terrible thing. And we just politely said, look, we believe that outside is, is safe at this time. And, you know, you, you need to take the precautions that you need to take. If you want to wear a face shield and you want to wear an N95 mask while you go on your 15K ruck, that's great. You know how much judgment you're going to get from me? Zero, right? Zero. And that's what I would encourage other people to do is, you know, my mom has been a lot more careful because she takes care of my grandmother every day, 
right? She's going to see her outside. And so, you know, she's, she's more, she's just got additional layers of, of precaution. And you know how much judgment my mom gets from me? Zero. And that's, that's like that spirit of people got reasons, you know, but, but at, at the top, the highest level, we want to make the, the argument, both intellectual and practical, that you still have needs. And there is a, a, an enormous risk to just sitting in your apartment and, and being overcome by fear. You need to go outside. You need to be a part of your tribe, something bigger than yourself. So, so go do it. And that's been the message that we've, we've really gotten after. I love that message. And I actually pulled, um, before we, we came together, I was looking up, you know, just different things about community. I found this study that actually said that, um, loneliness poses a greater risk to your health than smoking or lack of exercise. And that, and they use this term and that finding your tribe, which I want to talk to you a little bit about is better than any vitamin diet or exercise regimen. And that was from a um, Psychology Today article on a study that was done. And I, I loved it because they actually used the word tribe. And right now you are running, um, you got to explain a little more. Is it is a challenge um, where you you've incorporated uh, Sebastian Younger's book, Tribe, and you know, I follow all the posts and it just, again, I'm not even a part of whatever challenge is happening right now, but I feel a part of it, right? I'm texting you like, uh, whatever you guys are doing, it looks really <laughs> hard and I'm a little scared, but like, I love, you can feel the connectiveness of what you guys are doing just through the posts that you're putting out. So talk to me a little bit about that and this idea of, of tribe. Well, thanks. Yeah. So this was born of, you know, the last, we talked about 2020 for a little bit and going back to our roots and how do we, how do we modernize how we're building communities and how do you, how do you have organizing sort of principles and this is our way of life and, and stuff like that in a way that's connected to people and companies are too reluctant to ask people to do more things, right? Like if all this is, is a transaction, that's not a real brand to me, right? Or it's not a real community people first brand. But when you, you ask more of people, we've always had great success with that. And, and so we went back to the, the foundation and said, okay, what we really all want to do is we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And when you do that, you're more accountable to other people, right? So there's a little bit of pick your own adventure here, but the, the, the format is, look, every month there is a, uh, a hero wad, um, there, or a hero wad or something commemorative. Like last month it was, it was Robbie Miller hero wad, which was, a, he's a fallen Green Beret who was, who was awarded the Medal of Honor. Um, in February, it's Iwo Jima. Hint, hint, in the future, it'll be the Mannion wad, right? Um, and so you kind of say, look, that allows us to highlight like those are the values that we hold dear because we, we have our, our moral examples of what right looks like, whether it's from those who fought in the Battle of Iwo Jima, whether it's Travis Mannion, whether it's Robbie Miller and those kinds of things, right? So that's one workout a month, okay? Sometimes it's an hour, sometimes it's, you know, 45 minutes, sometimes it's an hour and a half. But 
you pick the weight, pick the sandbag weight, zero judgment. We just want people to be more active. There's a, a rucking component to it. So this January was a good time. Every day you'll ruck a mile, right? We just want to encourage people to go outside and be active. And then, you know, we added a book component as well, because too often, too often companies, they just get so specific, right? Like a fitness company, quote, quote, could never ask someone to read a book that has nothing to do with selling their, their latest $9,000 treadmill, right? Ever, you know, but for, for us, like, this is how, this is how we, we live, you know, and you look at someone like General Mattis, who is such a great example. I know, you know, Semper Fi and, and great, great ambassador for, for the United States Marine Corps. I mean, he, he talks all about the importance of the books that you read and the people that you surround yourself with. Yep. And that is the warrior poet way. It's not just knuckle draggers out in front and, you know, the, the philosophers in the rear. That's not what we should aspire to be. So it's a well-rounded person. And then there's a couple other tasks like, you know, this, this month or February, it's like write four handwritten letters to people. I don't care who, who it is. Like write four handwritten letters. It's like old school stuff, you know? And so asking more of people that's not just specific to us. And yeah, and so you do this and it's, it's on the honor system, but you get a patch every month, right? And there's this graphic that we, we found this um, through our tribe, our, our special operations guys tribe. We found a former force recon Marine who's a, a tattoo artist in Eagle River, Alaska, and was awarded the Silver Star, and he's doing all the graphics for us. His name's Roger Sparks. His book is the book that we're reading. It's called A Warrior's Creed in February. Just a great, inspiring story about pushing yourself and stuff. So there, there's, there's more to it. You can do more workouts if you want, but it's just, look, we think that when you get people out, whether it's virtually or bring them together virtually, or you're out in your neighborhood, you're out through the rut clubs, you're out inspiring people to be more active. That's where you run into other active people. You don't just run into people by chance when you hang out in your basement and play video games and do that. It's like, that's not a great life. That's how you're just dead inside. You know, yeah. like you're just not leading your best life. Go out and be active and go do stuff. That's where you'll attract other people that want to go do that. And those are great people to be around. I, I love this. Um, I love the concept of incorporating the book, incorporating writing a letter. And I think, or writing four letters in the month, I think it, it only serves even more to show that like, your your go rocks, your backpacks are really a mechanism for a greater movement that you're trying to create. And and I I just I don't know. I love everything that you're doing. How can people that aren't a part of the go rock community, um, how can they get involved? I mean, do they have to go on and buy a backpack to start off? Like, how can they just become involved? with go ruck and because i i imagine that a lot of people are going to listen to this and say yeah okay well this is a community that that i could see myself being a part of um so tell them where to start yeah i mean look you can find out more information and in all the likely suspects right you know it's it's at go ruck pretty much everywhere go ruck.com but but really it's to me if this were just a backpack company, I'd be doing something else with my life. My, my plan was, was going to be different and I was going to still be in some faraway 
icky stan or, or something like that where, you know send me america where, where do you need me and it, it, it kind of came like a baseball bat across the head at one point it's like I, america needs me here and so that's the voice i had to listen to uh, later on in in my my life and so really that starts with inspiring people these human connections so you don't have to go buy anything and, and don't start like this is not a product where I'm telling you, oh, your life's going to be better if you buy this, right? It's not, right? I think it is though. I actually- Well, if you use it, if you, if you get out and use it, right? If you go out and you say, okay, I'm going to buy this rucksack and I'm going to go outside and I'm going to get some vitamin sunshine. And then, you know, now maybe if you, you just wanted to do it for a mile or two and, and uh, then you're like, okay, I got, I got it. Now I can invite another person or your spouse or your, your brother or your best friend or whatever the case may be, right? And you, you sort of say, okay, so now you've got your own little tribe. A community of two is still a community. You know, back at my low point, the, the only damn community I had was me and Java. That like, I'm even going to call that a community, right? So everybody, your dog, Java, your dog. me and my dog was, was a community of two. And that dog needed me and I would have definitely defended him. And I definitely shared my food with him. Right. <laughs> so we, we met, but we met the, uh, and, 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 and the converse was true as well. So, you know, like you can start by just doing that, go out in your neighborhood with a little bit of weight on your back, start with 20 pounds and explore, right. Just be like, call someone on the phone. Like you, you need to call someone. Great. Go do it outside. Go be more active. Now we have 400 ruck clubs located around the country they don't meet they meet on their schedules right so you have to do a little bit of of research and say okay well i'll i, I want to go meet these people it's usually they meet up in a park they meet up wherever you uh you know you have some sandbags a ruck great awesome you're outside together and you're you're slowly becoming part of part of the tribe and then from kind of top down communication from us you know, about what Go Ruck Tribe is and that degree of accountability, which is, which is an on-ramping towards the broader community, right? Is, um, I mean, it's, it's on the website. It's like join the tribe. So that's all, that's all kind of there. And this is the part where, yes, we're a business. And yes, this is, you know, equipment sales are, are how we drive as a business. But really, that part is, is not where we lead with who we are and how we want people to lead their lives. And so if, if money's tight and times are tough, don't go into debt to buy our stuff. You can do push-ups with somebody else in, in a, a free park if you want to, right? You can, you well, can use the backpack that you have. It's, yeah, it's going to be okay. It's funny too, because, um, so I will say, I definitely feel more purposeful now when I go out for a run or a walk when I put my girl rock bag on, like, I just, I just do. Even if I take it, um, you know, I traveled to Colorado a couple months ago and I have my TMF bag and I'm like, no, I'm going to take my go rock because it was just like, I know I'm going to be hiking and I need my go rock bag on. Mm-hmm. But I had a friend who, um, as we were training to do the marathon this year, you know, the marathon Marine Corps marathon was canceled and, and, um, they're like, all right, we're still going to rock it. And, my, my girlfriend had never completed a marathon before. And I gave her the same basically spiel that you gave me when I first met you and you handed me a, a go rucksack and we walked around a lake in Georgia 
Mm-hmm. And you were you were telling me the methodology of rucking is fun because it's conversational. And look, you and I can be getting physical exercise, but we're also talking and getting to know each other. And so I gave her the same thing. I'm like, listen, this is going to be great because you're going to complete a marathon, but we're just going to talk the whole time. And I spun this person into doing a marathon who had literally probably never run more than a mile in her life. Like that was not her thing. And so, um, and, and it, and the psychological nature to it was that she was like, well, I'm just going to walk with Ryan and we're going to talk. And I'm like, oh, and here's your rucksack. And, and, uh, oh, do I need a weighted plate? I'm like, nope, just fill up all your water bottles. That'll be enough weight for you. That'll put 10 pounds on it. And, you know, and the experience that I got to experience with someone that I've known since I was 12 years old, that Mm -hmm. I never thought would be doing something like this with me. And, and lo and behold, not only did she do it with me, but when my legs were literally like, I felt like my hips were separating from my body at the end because I wasn't trained enough to be doing that at that point. She was like, let's go. I mean, she was the one that ended up pushing me at the end. So, um, so there is something special about this idea that you can come together. And like you said, it doesn't have to be with a hundred people. It can just be with two. And this year in a year where we weren't able to, I wasn't able to get together with big groups of people. And it's something I love more than anything, being surrounded by a ton of people with a shared camaraderie of the hard work we're doing together. I found that in one person that I've known my entire life, but I never realized that I can connect with her on that level. So, and I thank you for that because I never would have said, yeah, run a marathon because she probably would have been, I I wouldn't have had the, the message to give her on how to run a marathon and overcome those mental challenges. But when I said to her, just walk with me and we're going to walk 26 miles and put a backpack on because that's where you can put all your crap, frankly. Like it's great. Yeah. (laughs) We can have our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in there. Um, so I thank you for that because you were able to create that that community, that small community for me um, over these past several months and in October when we when we did that. So Jason, I love everything that not just GORUCK stands for, but really everything you stand for because you are you are GORUCK. You and Emily uh, have created a company that Frankly, if you if you watch it from afar, you don't even know that the company is a backpack company. You just know that it's a, a company with really good people that are doing really good things and that are working to bring people together. And that's why I love everything that you guys stand for. And I could not be more appreciative of the partnership that you have with our greater community at the Travis Mannion Foundation. Um, I want to thank you for joining me today, but I want to close with just my final question that I ask all of our guests. And that is what does living a resilient life mean to you? Yeah. So to me, it's, it's like there, there's an element where you have to seek challenges in life you know that you will fail, right? Don't be, don't be fragile, be anti-fragile. And what that means is you just keep going, right? You, you, you learn how to 
pick yourself back up. Or if you're someone like you or me or a lot of us, sometimes you have to let other people pick you back up, right? And so the idea of the idea of being resilient, it's not about being perfect. Perfect is what you'll see on on glossed over social media accounts that are that are that are completely fake, right? Real is better than perfect. And the more you keep charging ahead, the the more reward that you'll feel inside of yourself. And don't get wrapped up in the like, I'm either resilient or I'm not, right? Because over the course of life, there are times where I'm like, you know, I, I was sucking pretty bad, right? I wasn't super resilient. But, you know, give yourself a little bit of compassion and learn how to ask for help and, and those kinds of things. And, you know, over time, over time, then pay it forward to others. Yeah. I love that. Keep going and pay it forward to others. Jason, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Resilient Life Podcast. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. And we will be uh, posting on our YouTube all of the uh, different links to uh, Go Rock um, and all of the awesome things that they're doing. And we'll, we'll get some links from you um, to, to post up there. Um, Jason, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. Great to chat with you.